0: I think death teaches you how to live. You know, you, you watch somebody that was too young to die, die in front of you. And slowly it teaches you how to live. So I would be doing Nick such a disservice if I didn't go try to live a beautiful life every day. I, I can say that for even watching like a 93 a year old person die. In my opinion, it should, I guess, inspire you to be the healthiest version of yourself, to be the happiest version of yourself, and to live every day to the fullest.
1: I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge. Needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopst, and today's guest is Amanda Klutz. Amanda is an actor, she's the co-host of CBS's The Talk, a New York Times bestselling author and a fitness entrepreneur. Tragically, during the pandemic, Amanda lost her husband, Nick, leaving her heartbroken and in the depths of despair. Refusing to let that situation define her and determined to create the best life for her son moving forward, Amanda embraced the grieving process, turning those trials into triumphs while maintaining her optimism and hopefulness. Amanda's positivity and zest for life is contagious, as you will see in this conversation. Today on the show, we discuss how Amanda remained optimistic and pulled herself out of a dark place when life was incredibly unfair, why staying positive is a choice how Amanda's relationship with her son has changed after losing Nick, whether or not losing Nick changed her relationship with God, Amanda's advice for people going through really hard times, why losing Nick taught her how to live, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Amanda Klutz to the Adversity Advantage Podcast. Amanda, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: You're welcome. And I think a great place for us to start is... I love how positive you are given everything that you've gone through over the last few years, just given the way the world can be right now, you remain so optimistic. My question for you is like, how do you do it? How do you remain so optimistic day in and day out despite what you've gone through?
0: I mean, I do think I, I've been I've always been a pretty optimistic person. I mean, thinking back like throughout my whole life, um, I think staying positive, being a positive person is a choice. I I actively choose positivity. I actively choose the glass half full option. So I just make it a part of my day. I I make positivity a part of my day as if you take a shower every day, brush your teeth every day. Like it's just a part of my day.
1: And you mentioned that it's a choice and it's like this mindset shift that I think a lot of people have to make. I guess in my own experience it's also been a result of some of the other choices that I've made whether it be moving my body, people I spend time with, types of foods I eat, making sure I get enough sleep, spending time, you know, with with loved ones, stuff like that. What else do you do you do to help create that positive atmosphere for your life?
0: Well, I mean, like every morning I wake up, I always like the first thing I do is find some sort of positive thought or some video or something that, you know, immediately just puts me in a good mind frame. I mean, you mentioned it, like moving my body, working out is is my number one go to mental health positivity things i'm the minute i start working out even if it's like you know i go to a class and i don't like the music like i i still end up feeling better after i leave there or while i'm you know at the workout i i love sweating and i love challenging my body on the flip side of that is like rest and relaxation like i just was on a vacation in in mexico and i realized like how much sleep and just resting also makes me so happy. So I think like just finding those things in your day that that you can do to to encourage your your the best version of yourself, you know.
1: And I think one of the things at least that I've heard from people that limits their ability to remain positive is they think about the past. And they think about some negative things that have happened to them or negative things that they've done and they let that like just just fester and like manifest into other things. Obviously you've dealt with your fair share of adversity over the last several years. And I'm sure you, there's still things you think about on a weekly basis, a daily basis, an hourly basis. How do you, how do you harness that so that you're able to not kind of, you know, shove it to the side, but you're also not, you don't allow it to just, you know, overwhelm you for the rest of the day.
0: If like something from the past, like gets in my head and I'm, And I'm like, and it's overcoming, you know, something that you think that it's like starting to damage my day. Is that what you kind of mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think sometimes people will think about something in their past that happened, like, for instance, with you and what happened with Nick. And they'll think about something like that and they'll acknowledge that it's there and then that, that turns into something else. And then sure enough, like days go by and that thought or that moment has ruined a few days for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it definitely, oh, here's my little boy.
1: <laughs> hi, Elvis. What's up?
0: Yeah. Can you say hi? I mean, this guy really helps. I mean, this is honestly, and, and, you know, I'm not even It uh, just so happened that he walked in the, the door, but he always makes me smile. He always makes me feel better. And I think children, if you're, you know, if you have them at your house, having Elvis around when, when I lost Nick was the best thing that could have happened to me because he made me smile every day. He hugs me every day, kisses me every day. He's my best, he's my best buddy. And, um, and I thank God for this little guy. So I think for me, if I'm having a day like that though, Doug, like, I think for me, the best thing I can do is I acknowledge it. And, and I, and I, you know, will acknowledge yikes, this memory coming in. But then I, again, I would just try to flip it into trying to something positive, something that, you know, I, is it going for a workout? Is it going outside? Is it meeting a friend for a coffee? Or, you know, a lot of times I'll text a friend, I'll be like, I'm having a day, any chance you're free to come over for dinner because I need company. So like, I just actively make a choice to do something that will help me.
1: And how has your, your relationship with, with Elvis like changed over over the years, given everything that happened? like, obviously I'm sure there's been a massive silver lining in how close you two have become and some of the conversations that you have.
0: Yeah, we are best buddies, as you can tell. Um, We have a really beautiful bond, the two of us. And I, I don't know if a lot of single, I don't know if a lot of single parents feel that way. Um. But I think because it's been Elvis and I since pretty much he was 10 months old, because that's when Nick went into the hospital, you know, it, unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of memory of, of his father. And I think that that has just caused us to be extremely close and um, and that bond only gets deeper and deeper. You know, we just were each other's kind of like best friends. I, I I adore my child. I really do. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's such a it's such a beautiful thing and I guess my 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 follow-up question is a lot of you know my 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 parents got divorced when I was a kid. I've been in relationships with with single moms before and I've seen I've seen like people get stressed over just th- what it takes to raise a kid on their own and it's totally understandable like just witnessing what people have to go through. Do you think your perspective is a little bit different on it given how you became like a single parent, like you know, it's not like you went through a divorce. You're you lost, you know, your 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 husband and his father through throughout this process.
0: Yeah, yes and no. I understand what you're saying. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's times where where I am very mad about it. I mean, I'll just be honest. I'll, I'll, you know, this isn't fair. I, I, I didn't. I didn't intend to be a single parent. It isn't, you know, I I should have somebody else helping me at home. It's not how it was supposed to be. I mean, I can go down that rabbit hole for sure. And I have, um, it's only natural and normal. I think to do that. I think though, that as you know, when you're a single parent, there's just a lot that you have to figure out on your own and you have to just figure out how you do things and, and the way you do them. And, and you just find that path and i don't know i mean i i'm i wish nick was here every single day i wish i had somebody helping me through parenting but i do think that on the flip side there has been a lot of beautiful moments about it about being a single parent um in a way that you know elvis not only our bond but if i say something I'm, I'm the boss. You know what I mean? Like there's no other person to go to. Well, what does dad say? Like, there's no other, like no one's combating me, our house, because I think it's just the two of us. The majority of the time is a very peaceful environment. We, we just, it's, we play music and it's, it's very calm, I think, which has caused him to be a very calm little boy. So, you know, I, I just, again, I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to find the positives in it, but I, I find the positives in it.
1: Like how do you handle having like emotional conversations with Elvis about the situation with Nick or just even like how your family is or whatever? Because I think a lot of parents listen to my podcast and they're always like looking for ways to have better conversations with their kids about issues that can be heavy and hard to talk about.
0: What I've always tried to do with Elvis is just, I try to treat him like um, as much as an adult as I can. And I've just tried to also always be very honest with him, not necessarily like, you know, brutally honest, but just, I don't, I don't try to also sugarcoat things. I, I speak to him at his, at, at the level that I need to speak to him at, but, um, you know, I've just always been very encouraging of let's talk about this. Let's sit down. Let me tell you what happened. If what questions do you have? And I've always just kind of made it an open door policy. I've also never hidden the fact that Nick isn't with us anymore, but our whole house has Nick all over it, but pictures and music and um, stuffed animals and all sorts of stuff. So I've just always included Nick in our lives, even though he's not here anymore. And then I've also just always encouraged Elvis to ask me questions or talk to him about what's happened.
1: I know you recently wrote a children's book, about dreams, and I know that's been something that's really helped you deepen your relationship as well with Elvis. I know a lot of your your dreams kind of came to an end in a way like you alluded to a few minutes ago like what are you what are you dreaming about now like what what do you where do you really want to see your life go in the next few years
0: gosh um gosh it's a really good question <laughs> i um know in, in a way in a weird way, I try not to think too much about like that five or 10 year plan, just because I've learned from my life that you just never know what's going to happen in your life. So what I sort of try to do now is live in the moment, to be honest. Like I encouraged people during COVID to live your life truly, like, take advantage of what you can do right now, because you don't know if you have tomorrow. I would just say that for right now I just um I I just try to remember like how blessed I am and how grateful, you know, the things I have in my life I'm so grateful for um especially like the things that you know we do take for granted like health or your home or your job. So I honestly it's just more so just kind of like living in the moment at the moment <laughs> for me.
1: I was watching you on another on another podcast and the conversation was around like what would you have told yourself like before you entered in the grieving process or before the event happened with Nick? Or I think it was something along those lines. Your response was something along the lines of, you know, it's a really hard question because that situation like changed you and it changed you. in in some ways, obviously there were some blessings that came out of it as the way it's maybe shaped your character, your relationship with your son and stuff like that. What advice do you have for somebody who's going through a situation like that where, they don't They don't see how the situation is going to make them any better at, at the other side of it. They're just like, I don't understand how this is going to help me. My life is in despair right now. I just got divorced. I just lost a job. I just lost a child, whatever it is. Like what kind of words of wisdom would you say?
0: My words of wisdom is that it's going to change you no matter what. There's no way it can't change you. I've been through a divorce too. My divorce changed me like I was a completely different person after my divorce. And I thank God for it. Um, and obviously losing Nick changed me again. Anything, anytime you go through something traumatic or hard, it's going to change you. Even if that change is 1%, it will change you. I mean, I think change is good. I think we learn from change. We learn from that growth. And so learn from it. Take the opportunity to actually like dig deep and learn from that change because- it's it can make you stronger, it can make you a better person. And, you know, in my opinion, who wants to stay in the past? You you want to keep growing and changing and evolving.
1: I want to talk about love for a second because I think that's a word that gets thrown around so much now. Like I love this, I love that, or I'm in love, or I'm falling in love. And I've never been married, but if I remember correctly, like the vows are something like you you're you're supposed to love the person until death do us part, or something like it's something like that. You live that right? And you were there till the end, like loving your husband. How has your perspective on love changed?
0: I think uh, it's funny, you know, after my divorce, I like didn't believe in love and marriage for a hot second. And then after losing Nick, I think my perception of love is just that, to me, it's the best thing in the entire world. It's like, uh, feeling safe. I think love just makes you feel safe. Like when you're really in a beautiful, loving relationship with somebody, I think that's like the the best thing that it can do. It, you know, you, you know, you have somebody that you can count on or that is going to be there for you. So yeah, love now just means like, I guess like that ultimate comfort and safety, which is, you know, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, what, what I miss a lot about not being, you know, married and, and having that person in my life is just that comfort and safety that, that love, that loving relationship gives you.
1: How have you continued to evolve? I think I was reading somewhere that you don't like the term widow, which I completely understand. Um, maybe share a little bit why you don't like that term and how you choose to see yourself instead.
0: I just think that widow I mean yeah this was a while ago I I forget why the word I, th- I think I looked up the word or I was doing something and I I just never liked the word I feel like the word has a negative connotation to it kind of like divorce like when I was going through my divorce like I didn't I couldn't get the words out like I didn't want to say I was divorced or I was going through a divorce cuz like the word is just very harsh And then I lose Nick. And then I'm now I'm classified as a widow. And I felt like that also just it seems sad, like it just has a very sad tone to it. And so I researched what it meant. And I was like, I am sad, but like, I've learned a lot through this. And I actually feel very strong at the same time. And so I I just started like, researching why this word is used and and where it comes from and what it means. And I was like, okay, but I think when you lose somebody like I did and when you become a widow, like you just become a different version of yourself, this stronger version of yourself that you didn't even know that you had somewhere deep inside you. And yes, it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen because your life has to keep moving forward. And I just felt like I related to that idea of a woman after losing her husband than what widow meant, which I I forget what it means. I I could look it up or it's on my Instagram. I did the whole post about it, but I just didn't feel like I liked to be attached to a word that meant something so sad and defeated. And I didn't feel like I was a sad and defeated person.
1: Yeah, I think it said something like be empty or something like that was what... I was reading and I think like after I was, after I read that, I was like, yeah, I can definitely understand why somebody wouldn't want to be referred to as that, like a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And you know, I mean, speaking, I mean, I have widower, I have a lot of friends, you know, men that have lost their wives. Um, you know, you become a part of this club when you're in the, when you've lost somebody and you know, a lot of my, my widower friends felt the same way. It's like, why do we have to call ourselves these like sad words when Yes, our life is sad, and what happened to us was very sad. But we've become these really strong people from it. So we didn't want to be attached to this sad word.
1: Have you ever connected with Matt Mauser? You know Matt.
0: I don't think I have.
1: He was on America's Got Talent. His wife Christina was in the helicopter with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and he's he's been on the podcast. But um, you know, just very similar but different story. And you know, he's got. I think he has don't quote me on this, like three kids. I think I remember like, I mean, I just tear up every time I think about this. It was such an emotional, like America's got talent episode. I forget they were asking him like why he chose to do this. And he said something like, I need to show my kids how, how strong, how strong I am. And that no matter what life throws at you, you have to keep getting back up and moving forward. And you sharing what you're sharing like reminds me a lot of that. Right. And that you're choosing, that path because it's easy. I think it would be. I I think I would almost understand completely. I mean, I would understand completely if you were just chose to feel sorry for yourself, right? Because it's like such a tragic situation that I've never been in it, and I completely understand that your life falls apart. Like, how did you end up pulling yourself out of like that that dark place? I mean, other than just choosing a different path, remaining optimistic about you know, the day to day, like what kind of things really helped you through the years?
0: Yeah, I mean, you you definitely I still have days where you feel like you're um, like you don't want to get out of bed or you don't want to do anything or just lay on the couch. Those are completely normal. Um, And I'm never putting anyone down for having those days, weeks, months, whatever time period that is, because it's normal how did i pull myself out because i it didn't happen right away right after nick passed i think i was in such a uh a little bit of a fog of you know what 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 had just happened and everything that i had been going through for the last 3 months and we were in this pandemic oddly though the pandemic helped me because um as i was sitting at home doing nothing or feeling bad for myself it was oddly comforting to know that everyone else in the world was still in their houses, not doing anything. And it it sounds maybe selfish or or something, but there's something very like when you're having a bad day, but then you look on Instagram and people are like, you know, living their life or doing something amazing. It like makes you feel worse. But like when you're grieving and you're feeling horrible and then you look on Instagram and everyone else is stuck in their homes like it oddly made me feel comforted <laughs> yeah it was like I, I do remember being in a really really hard place uh like cleaning out Nick's stuff and deciding we were moving into the uh house that we had bought together so like it was a lot of things going on at once I don't know if I honestly remember, I, I, the, the thing that comes to my head the most was the fact that I was a mom and ironically, Nick's mother told me this would happen because she had lost her husband only a couple years before. And she said to me, she was, Amanda, you're going to go through a really hard time. And she was like, Elvis will save you though, because you're going to have to get out of bed. You're going to have to care for someone else. You're going to have to smile he's going to make you smile and you're going to have to put someone else's needs before yours. And she was right. And I think that like having him around, he was a year and a half um, was my saving grace because uh, it helped pull me out of bed. It helped me pull me out of sad depression. Um, And all of those times, because again, it was like, okay, I couldn't put the, attention on myself. I couldn't soak in my sorrows because I had a little boy that I had to take care of.
1: I'd love to know your thoughts on like religion, not in a dogmatic way, but a lot of people, they they don't believe in God or they don't believe in Jesus because of things like you experience. So like if these things were real, then why would stuff like this happen? What has been your relationship like either before or after your situation with religion?
0: Before everything, I I've, I grew up Lutheran um, and in a religious household. So to this day, I love going to church and I pray every night and I, I love religion. I have a I have I love my relationship with religion. Everything started happening with Nick. I like buckled down probably harder than I've ever done in my entire life with what I believed in praying and putting my faith in God to help me and Nick. Um, There were definitely days where I would come home from the hospital after, you know, bad news reports and I would cry to my mom and dad and I would say, I don't understand like, why is, why is God allowing this to happen? Like, why won't he heal Nick? Why won't, you know, I'm praying for a miracle and, and all of these things. All I can tell you is that I've never felt closer to God closer to what I believe in than those three months of my life. Even though I was losing my husband and he was in the hospital and things were eventually did not go our way. I have never felt more present in what I believe. And there were times in many, many days at the hospital, they would, they gave Nick an hour. They would say, there's nothing else we can do. He'll pass away in an hour. And I would sit in his room and I would put on amazing grace and I would pray over him and he would make it and he would make it get a whole nother week or a whole nother month or a whole nother three months. And, um, I've never felt like the presence of God in my life, like I did in those moments. So it really only ironically, cause you would think it would be the opposite. It actually only made me more of a believer.
1: You, you talked about earlier in our conversation where you had this sense of anger, like towards the situation or just towards life in general because of what happened. And you mentioned that, you know, even though, like you, you mentioned that you had this strong relationship with God and that you questioned Him at times, but there was it was still there. That relationship was still there. How did you begin to process some of that, like anger and resentment? You just had at whatever it was, whether it was the world, whether it was family, yourself, whatever it was. Like, how did you begin to to untangle that,
0: you know, I've done a, I've done a lot of therapy, um, all different kinds of therapy, conventional, non-conventional. That has really helped. Every time I do any kind of work on myself to try to let that go, it it has helped because it it can. I mean, that anger can, if you don't let anger out, it'll just eat you up inside. And I I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to be my life. I'm not an angry person, so. Um, I've just been working on it. I've, I've worked on it since day one. I continue to work on it. I don't think healing has an end. I think because we keep on living and we keep on having to deal with grief throughout our entire lives, you have to keep working on healing your entire life. There's no, there's no end, you know, graduation ceremony for healing or grief. So, um, just continuing therapy on that, on those situations
1: obviously you're still going through some of the grieving process now and i'm sure that that'll always be there but how long did it did it last to where you finally felt like you were making some serious progress and you were you were starting to come out on the other side of it cuz the reason i ask is cuz a lot of people that i've talked to have gone through stuff like similar situations or they've gone through like a horrific divorce or something they'll feel like great for like two months, right? They're like, this is not as bad as I thought it was. Then all of a sudden it like hits them and, or her, you know? And it's like, boom, like, wow. And then it's this roller coaster. And then sometimes the roller coaster continues because of choices that people make. And sometimes they come out of it at whatever time, you know, is meant to, it's meant to come out for them. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode's sponsor, Just Thrive. I have covered the topic of gut health extensively on the show and why it is so important to have a healthy microbiome. 80 to 90% of Americans suffer from some type of gut issue and 70 to 80% of your immune system is in the gut. And while cleaning up your diet and managing your stress should be at the foundation of addressing your gut health, a probiotic can certainly be very beneficial. When buying a probiotic, you want to be sure that you get one that actually works and delivers on their promises. Research shows that 99.9% of them die in your stomach acid before they reach your gut. That's where Just Thrive Probiotics stands out from the crowd. Their proprietary strains have been third-party clinically tested and proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut, unlike other probiotics that die on the way. But that's not all. Their probiotics have more clinical research than any other products on the market and are proven to work. So if you are tired of struggling with gut issues like gas, bloating, and indigestion, Look no further than Just Thrive Probiotics. So for a limited time, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic. So visit JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Again, it's JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Now back to the show.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm like trying to give a very thoughtful answer here because everyone, I mean, this this is – This is me, obviously. No, no one, no one's grief line is the same. I guess I would say, around like a little bit after a year, maybe I started to feel a little bit more normal. The, you know, the first year is hard because it's the year first. So like, you know, every month hits you. Like, it's been two months. It's been three months. It's your first anniversary that you don't have your person. Your first birthday you don't have your person. Their first birthday that they're not here you know, Elvis's first birthday without him. So the year, the the first year is very hard. So I would say I probably started to feel more normal after like that first year of, of things.
1: What role has like fitness played in this whole process for you? Like, do you think that it's really been super beneficial for you as far as.
0: For me, and it's my top uh, suggestion for anyone throughout Nick's battle and then every day after I move my body every single day. It putting on music and even moving for 10 minutes is an increase for your adrenaline, for your mood, your oxygen, for everything. Like it it's 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 my number one go to.
1: What kind of things do you like doing now for fitness other than I know your fitness program is I guess it's centered around I believe like jumping rope, right?
0: Dance and jump rope, yeah, is my fitness routine um, for, for what I do. But I love to do everything. I love playing tennis. I love boxing. I love dance class. I, I, I really kind of every day mix it up. I do Pilates. I do yoga. I, I love to challenge myself. So I usually do something different every single day um, just to keep it fresh, keep my, my body guessing, my muscles, you know, challenged.
1: Like what's your relationship like with fear now? Because I would imagine like one of your worst fears ever like came true. And I'm just interested to know like how that's shaped, how you view like uncertainty in life.
0: It's a twofold. The The first part of it is that when I'm scared of something, I, I again like go into live your life mode of like, no, you just do it. You do it now. Get over your fear. Go. If I'm second guessing something, I'll just – usually choose to just do it. So I have like pretty much 80% of my life now is just do it and do it now. Don't wait. But then like the other 20% I would say is that I am a single mom and that there's a lot of times I have to think about my son and and you know being careful and and also like towing the line of I don't, you know, want to do anything or you know that could potentially, you know you know, hurt my life or something because I'm his person. So um, I try not to live in fear of anything anymore and just try to take every day for what it can be.
1: Have you begun like trying to put yourself back out like in the dating world? Is that a goal? Is that a goal of yours?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been back in the dating world for like, I don't know, a couple of years now, two years, maybe.
1: What's been um, some of the unexpected like challenges that have come from it?
0: Putting yourself out there at first is very challenging. You know, you think you're ready or you think you want to give it a try. And it's, it's, uh it's very, very hard. I would say the biggest challenge though, is for me, like, I just, I think now, especially because I have been married twice. And then, you know, when you lose somebody, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I don't I don't want to be dating again. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, that that was never part of the plan. Like I had a person, I was married, it was all figured out. I was good. So I think the challenge now is, is just that is realizing that I did have that, but I don't have that anymore. And I would love to find somebody again. So like, you just have to you know put yourself out there as much as possible and um and i go through phases where i'm like very into dating and then i go through phases where i'm like i'm fine i'm good i don't need to go on any dates in the moment i just try to listen to myself and what i what what i'm telling myself and and just kind of go with that flow and not put any pressure on it either cuz for a little while i was putting pressure on myself and then i i stopped doing that cuz i was like this is only causing me stress and anxiety, and and now I'm feeling worse off by because I have stress and anxiety about dating. So like I stopped dating for a while just because I was like I, do, I don't I don't want that stress and anxiety in my life. So I don't know. I would just say it's it's challenging dating when when you don't have my circumstances is challenging. But
1: Tell you know me now yeah. yeah coming from
0: <laughs> coming from that and then also now you know being a single parent too and and every time I leave the house is I'm leaving him. And then even if I start to like somebody, then I have to think about, you know, could they be a father? Would they be a good father to my son? Would they fit with our dynamic? Well, so it's just a lot, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot.
1: It is a lot. And especially with everything that you have going on, it just adds a whole nother layer to it. Did you ever, or do you ever like deal with like like shame around it or have you dealt with shame where you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like I need to, you know, I like Nick's going to be the last person that I'll ever love or anything like that.
0: Oh no, definitely not that. No, Nick would be the first person that would, would be like, go date. What are you doing? You know, he would be the first person to tell me to start dating or go on dates or, you know, find somebody again. So no, I don't, I don't have any shame in that way.
1: One of the things that I think really trips people up, and we've kind of touched on this, but we didn't really go too deep into it, is that they'll they'll go through something in their life that's hard, and it'll be really easy to point to that same thing on why they've destructed other areas of their life. Meaning if somebody, like I'll use a divorce as an example, again, somebody gets divorced and then they go and they drink every day for like the next six months, and now their other relationships fall apart, they lose their job, blah, blah, blah. They'll be like, well, what happened? Why'd you lose your job? And it's like, oh, I got divorced. It's like, no, you lost your job because of you started, you know, drinking and that negatively impacted your life. How have you been able to like shape your outlook on life to not let that situation completely completely like define who you are?
0: I think death teaches you how to live. You know, you you watch somebody that was too young to die, die in front of you and slowly. It teaches you how to live. So I would be doing Nick such a disservice if I didn't go try to live a beautiful life every day. I I can say that for even watching like a a 93-year-old person die. It might sound weird to say this, but there's something very inspiring about seeing somebody pass away because I think it just... in my opinion, it should, I guess, inspire you to be the healthiest version of yourself, to be the happiest version of yourself, and to live every day to the fullest. So I would just say death teaches you a lot.
1: You're in this mindset now where you're like, just do it. And that if you you know want to do something, you do it. And I know one of the things that you did, I guess, was about a month ago or so, you took this really meaningful trip with your son to Europe. You spent some time there. Why was that trip so special for you?
0: It was completely unexpected. I was, um, in Italy already for a friend's, uh, anniversary celebration and Elvis was here in Los Angeles and I was going to fly home the next day. And my little sister said to me, why are you flying back? And I go, well, I don't know. That's just what it was. Oh, you know, this, it was scheduled for a week and Elvis, you know, has school. And she was like, Amanda, he's in preschool. And I was like, no, I know. And she was like, well, get him over here and, and come back to Paris with me. And then we can do this. And then you can go here. And then, and I was like, that's crazy. And then I was like, But that's what maybe I'm supposed to do like right now. Maybe I am just supposed to like be with him and travel and be a little crazy right now. Like maybe I should be crazy right now. And then, you know, of course, as soon as I say that, then yeah, Nick pops into my head. He's like, yes, you'd be crazy right now. You have the opportunity to travel and take the time. You do it. And so that's what we did. I got him out to Paris and then we just kind of had this month long vacation together that we needed so badly because I realized on that trip, I haven't spent that much time with him since before COVID. You know, I, I, I'm i a working single mother and I see him on the weekends, you know, for 24-7, but I haven't seen my son 24-7 for a straight month since before Nick got sick. So it was so needed and it was so wonderful and so healing and, and just really was like such a blessing. I, I, it'll be, I think a trip that neither of us will ever forget. I know I will. not
1: You mentioned that Nick, you've had conversations with Nick, whether it be like about dating again, whether it be about this trip. Um Like how often do you try to have these types of conversations with him and what's been some of the words of wisdom you may have heard from him?
0: I talk to Nick all the time. I, I, I usually now talk to him like a a friend, you know. Like I end up talking to him in the car a lot, or something, you know, or at home, or if I put Elvis down for bed or a nap, or if he's doing something silly or cute, I just, you know, talk to him like he's in the room next to me. It's crazy. Like I don't know. I mean, I I very much believe in signs, and I very much believe that he and his energy is still around. So. Yeah, I don't know, he sends me signs. He he definitely like makes himself apparent that he's around and here. And um and it's lovely and comforting and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to necessarily share any like things that I felt that he has personally like, you know, said to me cuz I probably will sound like a crazy person, but um but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that if you are open to it, people that we've lost can still communicate with us i really do
1: yeah it's interesting you say that i had a psychic like a medium a spiritual medium on the podcast i think she saw maybe a month or two ago a couple months ago and she talked about like the same thing that you did so we don't i don't think it's crazy at all because i was actually quite fascinated like learning about it um just because it was something I've never really explored myself, so it's it's cool that you've been able to have that type of relationship as well with Nick, even though he's not here on earth,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: so you've acted, you've been on Broadway, you sung, you've you know been in movies, talk show host, fitness instructor, like what else do you can you- I know you don't like looking like too far into the future, but do you see do you see yourself? like continuing on the path in the entertainment world or do you see yourself expanding on the in the fitness side of things where do you see yourself going
0: Listen my fitness business is my baby I I started that um after years of being on Broadway and it it's my first company that I ever had and I and I love it so much and as we've talked about fitness means the world to me so I would love to continue growing that and teaching, um, as I love teaching. So I, I love, you know, working and teaching my classes, but my, I would say I I seriously have become obsessed with creating ideas and making them come into life on film and TV world. So I think my like next career goal would just to be continued to do that like I did with uh, Fit for Christmas, which was a Christmas movie that I filmed last summer, and then it was out last Christmas. It was just really fun. It was fun to create the idea in my head and then get it, you know, sold and then working on it and then going to film it was just so exciting and thrilling. So I, I, I hope to do more of that.
1: Like more in the – like do you see yourself going like on a TV show or do you see yourself just more like the creative side and like helping to create and then appear in movies?
0: I love both ideas. I I have like a bunch of things that I've worked on with my my writing partner and some of them I'm in and some of them they're just ideas that we've you know created that I would just love to produce.
1: What about like a show like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Do you see yourself (laughs) (laughs) –
0: So funny because I I I literally was just uh, talking to my sister about the idea of going on as a, a widow and being like they've never had a widow finding finding love is hard maybe I would do it I don't know I never say never
1: <laughs> I think you'd be great at it because I just think you have this this great mindset about you the where you're able to. I kind of cut through the noise and just remain optimistic and just be yourself and not really care what people think of you, which I think is so important when going on shows like like that, right?
0: Well, I mean, like I said, never say never. I definitely would have to cut through a lot of the drama, but I yeah.
1: <laughs> I think they would probably go easy on you. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you if they want to connect with you on your fitness app, if they want to follow you on social media? Where's the best place to do that?
0: Pretty, yeah, my fitness app and, and everything. I, I pretty much live on Instagram. Amanda Clutes Fitness is how you find that. And then just Amanda Clutes is uh, for, for me in my personal life. Um, but uh, I, I have other platforms, but I can't promise you that I check them or even update them. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say you're safe as bad as Instagram.
1: Well, I'll be sure to include the links to Instagram and your your fitness stuff as well as like where people can buy your books for pe- for in the show notes in case people want to check out your work. I'm sure after hearing this conversation, they're going to want to connect with you more. So Amanda, I wanted to thank you for coming on. Thanks for your vulnerability. Thanks for all that you're doing to spread positivity in the world. I, I think it really does mean a lot to, to a lot of people.
0: Thank you very much. So nice to meet you, Doug.
1: You got it. And thanks again.
0: All right. Bye-bye.